Hi, I'm Steve Addison and you're listening to episode 183 of the Movements Podcast. Podcast for people who want to multiply disciples and churches everywhere. Today we're talking to David Shavenka about pioneering movements in Japan. It all started though with, uh, as we were preparing to go to Japan, um, we were getting a little bit more serious about dates and times. And um, I had a friend named Mike, uh, for security reasons, I'm not sure if I can share his whole name, but uh, he, he had just, he was an empty nester <clears throat> that had been in India for maybe only six months. And I was reading his prayer letters and I was hearing uh, amazing reports of people coming to faith and new uh, fellowships getting started and multiplying and uh, nationals owning the task. And uh, he said he was coming back to the States because he needed to renew his visa and was looking for people who wanted to host him and that he'd be happy to share what he was doing. And so uh, we were happy to host him. And um, that next morning he spoke at our church and the next morning, uh, he was willing to wake up and spend some time with me before he hit the road. And he basically shared the four fields diagram with me and the sword Bible study. And that I was, um, enraptured with those little pieces and what they could mean. I was just at the time managing an international student ministry and leading a small group and just implementing a few things from that. What I understood looking back, I only under, only understood maybe, 15% of what he was saying, but I put it into practice and began to see some differences. Um, at that point, you know, um, I was kind of just using a traditional model of leading a small group, but, uh, but, uh, a lot of it involved teaching preparation. I was preparing teachings every week with, you know, accounted to anywhere from two to four hours minimally. And I love being in the word and digging in and teaching. I love that aspect of it, but our small group was basically, I'd been the same eight people for a very long time, maybe two years, if I remember correctly. And then uh, at that at that uh, point, I just took the sword Bible study and we started using that. I stopped teaching. And I want to make sure not say here it's not bad to teach. <laughs> but uh, in that situation, it wasn't multiplying our group. But so we, we just started using the sword Bible study and, and inductive study. I started passing the, the baton and I let every person in a small group lead one time. And then one of the main challenges was I was working with um, some young families with the kids, uh, families with young kids, and they didn't have a lot of bandwidth to, to actually go out and reach out. So uh, after it, everyone kind of had some experience. I just said, Hey, can we, let's, let's just take this time that you're spending in this small group and let's stop meeting every week. Let's meet every other week. And you take those hours that we're meeting and you just start something with someone um, using this sword Bible study. And we'll come back and report what's happened in two weeks. Okay. And um, yeah, and basically from there, we, um, if I'm remembering correctly, it was about, uh, we had about 13 new people engaged in ongoing fellowship over the word uh, in less than a month uh, from the point at which we changed that format and passed the baton and, went to every other week. So one, one woman went back to her, uh, started a group with her sisters. Um, one of them came to faith. Uh, another guy started a group with his brother on Skype who was living in a different, uh, state. 
Mm-hmm. Andy started a group with a coworker and just different scenarios started playing out that, that way. And, um, I actually did not continue leading that small group for much longer because we entered into preparations for Japan. But, um, I know there was at least one profession of faith pretty fast. And then I can't remember what the end result was, but then the other, a lot of them were either Christians that had lost touch with fellowship and began to grow again. And some of them were, um, spiritually interested non-believers. Wow. So just within a month, this is what happens, David, when, when you stop teaching. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. So what, yeah. uh, what, 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 what happened next? So next I, um, all kinds of major, major things are happening in life and we were getting prepared for Japan and, um, we, let's see, I think it was the fall of 2011, I attended um, a T4T training with, there was Steve Smith, Ying Kai, and Jeff Sundell were all training together at Wheaton. And um, actually, I was, I was very ill at the time. I, I um, um, it was very, I had just been diagnosed with Lyme disease. Anyway, and I uh, just started getting treated, but I, I wanted to be in that room because I knew that there's, uh, I could learn more about uh, some of the things we were beginning to see. And, and actually, the very opening session, um, Steve Smith um, shared setting the cells in alignment with the Father's heart. And I barely held it together during that session because I felt like... Um, God had, was was giving me language to describe the vision that I, I he had put in my heart for Japan, mm-hmm. and I felt so uh, just humbled to be in the room with uh, men and women who had seen that kind of thing happening, and that I could learn from them. And but it was it was a really special moment, even in my relationship with the Lord. I, I had uh, had a, already kind of gone up and down, and what I was shooting for in Japan, and how to get there, and what was possible. And I felt like He was saying. To me in that session, David, this is this is what I want you to be involved in in Japan, and don't lose sight of that. This is a vision. So that launched me ahead into just uh, who can teach me, where, what can I learn? I, I got Jeff Sandell's phone number and started dialoguing with him every chance I could. I um, and and got in touch with Troy Cooper, who mentored me while I was in Japan, and he was in Japan at the same time, and just. Uh, from there, I, I started getting more coaching and some uh, playing with tools and that kind of thing. Okay. And how did that uh, play out as you settled into life and, and ministry in Japan? Yeah, so we, we landed. Um, we, we were there. Their first term was only one year. It was sort of an experiment to see how my family would do in Japan and then how um, the ministry would play out and it was only about three weeks in or, uh, maybe a month in we, um, um, I was sitting in a, and we, we were, we were committed to serve, uh, one local church while we were there for the, at least the first six months. Uh, we made a commitment to be there to serve them. And, um, the pastor came up to me and said, Hey, I hear you're trained in this thing called, uh, training for trainers. And we heard it's real fruitful. Will you train us in that? And I, I had something in my gut says, you probably need to have a little bit more conversation with him about this, but I didn't have the language to go into great depth. So Mm -hmm. I just thought, well, yes, let's do it. (laughs) So, uh, 
so anyway, that was a, yeah, it started a wild journey of just training that one church. And it was maybe 12 to 15 members, which is a fairly common sized church. And we, we basically started there. And then I had a, a team that consisted of my wife and one single lady. And we um, were also out gospeling as much as we could with limited language. And that's kind of uh, the, the immediate application of what we learned kind of started to play out. And did anything come of that training with the church? Oh, yes. Yeah, it was. Um, it was. Uh, yes. Yeah, so we, we trained the and I, at the time, you know, there's a lot looking back. There's a lot, you know, uh, so much to learn. I didn't have clear tools, but I knew, you know, we need to train them and cast some vision, train them in the, uh, how to make a name list, how to pray for it. Uh, pray for them and start sharing your story, Jesus's story. So we did all that. And it was really great. I, it was really great. that The pastor of that church was very flexible and gave us great bandwidth to work. And the the, the day before we began training, actually it was the, the morning of the training. He said, hey, I just want to follow up with you. I, I'd like you to only invite this person, this person, this person to the training. Because, you know, this person is unemployed and uh, not mentally stable. This person is not really around very much. Uh, she's, she's a mom with lots of kids. We only see her maybe once a month and I just don't, not sure where she's at. And then, uh, and I said, Hey, is it okay if I just, is it okay if we just invite everyone and just see who comes? And he said, yes, it took a moment. He paused. He said, yes. So it was great. The very, I mean, the story started immediately because we, that first training, there was a non-believer in the room and I, and <laughs> that really threw me for a loop it's my first training experience. And I was like, what is it? What are we gonna do with a non-believer? And so, and I, I walked out of the room and literally sweating. I was like, Lord, what do I do? And I felt like just, just this in my heart, I, I heard just do what you know to do. I went back in the room, cast some vision. I said, okay, let's make a name list. Uh, we're going to pray, ask God who he wants us to put on this list. And we're going to take notes and okay, let's pray and get started. Anyway. So in, while we were praying that lost, uh, that young man didn't know Christ raised his hand really quickly. And I went over and said, yeah, how can I help you? And he said, is it okay if I put my own name on my list? Oh. And <laughs> I said, yes, you can. And let's talk after class. <laughs> so um, he put his own name on his list. He came several weeks in a row, was praying for himself to come to know Christ. And eventually he did and uh, got, got baptized. So a lot, a lot of encouraging things. There were multiple people started reaching out. You know, the first person actually to lead someone to faith was the unemployed, mentally unstable guy. Mm. Um, and it, 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 uh, his story just kind of rocked the group as they were hearing what was unfolding. Uh, and uh, the, the group, it was, they were kind of slow to take uh, steps, but. Mm-hmm. Once he started taking steps and other people heard it, uh, we started to see some cool things happen. Um, I think in, um, I'll just say this. Basically, we trained that church. Our team was out gospeling in partnership with a few bilingual believers until we found some bilingual non-believers to work with. Uh, and then another pastor heard about what we were doing, and he asked me to train him. This time I trained only him and asked him to pass on what he was learning. Mm-hmm. And we did all we did that for a year. Um, very little language acquisition. That's a separate story um, as, as far as why we made that call. But uh, in the end, that that was the most, that one year was more fruitful than my previous 10 years of ministry, I would say, as far as the number of people that made professions and um, 
and uh, got baptized. And then and we saw um, some nationals that seemed as though they were going to own the tax. Yeah. So next I went back to the States. Um, we, uh, we were continuing to fight the um, illness, uh, ended up staying for two years, but I went to a mid-level. And then in the middle of that, I actually, Ying approached me afterward and said, Hey, I've had this dream of training in Japan. Uh, could you help me get there? <laughs> and so I was uh, pretty blown away by that. And, um, and I told him, I said, Ying, I, if I was to organize a training, I don't know that there would be any more than five or six people in the room. Mm. And he said, well, maybe it, it might be the right five or six. So mm. let's pray about it and see what happens. And so, so then I had a, from there, those two years while I was in the States, I, um, I got to travel with Ying to Japan and, um, um, watch him train. He let me, I, I kind of opened with some devotions, shared some stories from our one year in Japan. And then actually I was encouraged, um, uh, by Bill Smith, he said, just, just sit on your hands and watch Ying and take notes. <laughs> and, uh, that was an incredible learning experience. Uh, and, 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 um, Ying and I talked and basically I, I was, I passed the clipboard at the end of every training and said, Hey, if you're interested in ongoing coaching, fill that out. Let me know. I'd love to get in touch with you. And through those trainings, I, we, I had, um, four or five, um, mostly foreigners that were bilingual, uh, Japanese and English that I was then Skyping with from the States um, in that two-year interim. And I, I think I traveled with Ying twice during that time. And then, um, and then we, we came back to Japan in 2015. And by the time I landed, I had a handful of partners to work with in different areas of the country. We just started trying to apply it anywhere and everywhere we could. I, I felt like the most fruitful thing I'd, I'd done for Japan was to, whether it's directly or vicariously, equip Japanese lay people to make disciples. And, um, and I, uh, so we, I really hit that a lot. I think in our first two years back, I, I was, um, I, I would attend services um, and walk up to the pastor, introduce myself and tell him what we were doing and ask if I could help in any way. And, and now I'm real, I am, I experienced, there was limit, uh, pretty serious limitations because of language. I asked my supervisor who was very, uh, gracious with me. If I could only do 40 to 50% language acquisition in ministry with all the rest, um, over time that ended up being down to like 10% of, of a language. Uh, I didn't manage that time well, but the, on, on the other side, um, if I'm remembering correct, correctly, the first five uh, pastors I spoke with, all five said yes in some form or fashion to training. But it was a, a variety of, of um, bandwidth. We were, at, um, I'm trying to think, one, one example, we were given four Sundays, like an hour, uh, actually it was a 45 minute time slot on Sunday after the service. And with interpretation, that's about mm. 20 minutes, yeah. four 20 minute sessions. So we took it, jumped in, did some training had some really encur very encouraging stories come out of that. Um, another church gave us six weeks with an hour and a half sessions. Um, one church gave us three hours on a Saturday and we just took whatever we could get trained. And then um, after a period of time when the trainings weren't uh, as plentiful, uh, I was, I just kind of looked back through, my contact list and 
made sure I, I had a uh, clear communication with those, those leaders and uh, that if, and when I could continue working with their people. And so I, I compiled a list of people that we had seen um, take action and, uh, and, or just demonstrate a large amount of vision. Um, and, and it seemed some amount of, of uh, forward direction and kind of pulled those people and started working together. And then uh, maybe about, um, about a year ago, um, we started uh, experimenting with the three touch training cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we did that here in Tokyo two times. We did it, um, once in Osaka and we, yeah, just pretty quickly, it became really easy to, uh, to train up other people that could do level one trainings using that model. So, um, we've expanded on that a little bit more. There's also a group of us that come together once a month on zoom from different parts of Japan that, uh, kind of, um, check in, pray for each other, share what's going on and, and learn new tools and things. But, um, jump, jumping forward to now we have, um, at least a point person or two up to 10 to 12 trainers. And in Tokyo, I'd say we have about 12 people that can lead a level one training uh, in Hokkaido now we're connected with, um, uh, this man who's, uh, just committed to his region and knows how to lead level one trainings and is out sharing the gospel. We've got a really strong team in Nagoya up who, uh, um, begin to see multiplication of churches and Japanese are, uh, partnering with them to own the task. A couple in a, a, a city called Gifu, they're seeing some cool things happen and Osaka, which is the second largest city we we have a growing team i've have seen some really neat things happen there i think we've done three level one trainings there and um are beginning to have yeah japanese owning the task there as well so let's let's just reflect a bit then and and we'll we'll post a link to um a little video on three touches of training but yes. essentially um you dived in and you just went looking for any pastor who's willing for, to let you loose on his people. <laughs> yes. And then yeah, you look for, for those who stepped up and owned the task and you, you spent some more intentional time with them. Mm-hmm. And then you started with the three touches to start going back for repeat trainings over a period of time with the goal that the three touches of training will result in in, in a a local person or a local team who are both in the harvest and training others. And this is happening in different spots around Japan. Is that that's sort yeah. of how it's played out? Yes. Yeah. Praise God. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and you're also through Zoom and other ways um, both coaching but also connecting those early adopters with one another. Yes, that's okay. true, yes. So what it's it's gone up another level now. You know, you've you've now got it sounds like up to fifteen uh, level one trainers who can mobilize and and the good thing is if your Japanese isn't that good, theirs is. So you have to rely yeah. on them. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So what what are you hearing back from the field now as others get out uh, 
and own own the task and and train and mobilize. What's what's happening? I I, I just feel like we're seeing what uh, what the Lord told us we would see, which means as we're sowing seed, we will see. As you sow seed, you will see people come to faith. And that that statement alone is a gold mine in Japan. Uh, I mean, or a, I should say there's a there's massive barriers against that one statement. If you share the gospel in Japan, people will believe. And then as you mobilize laborers, the harvest, uh, you you, uh, you reap a harvest. Um, and there are um, Japanese believers uh, who are willing to invest themselves sacrificially in reaching their nation with great faith. And uh, so as I'm uh, just pouring over the Gospels and Acts and then uh, reading books on movements and talking and other people asking questions, I feel like it's playing out the way it should. Definitely the pace here is uh, um, the pace, I'd say, is slower than um, other places in the world, but it's it's happening. Byron was sitting in a a Starbucks and... um, was having a a, a a conversation about Jesus with a man who didn't wasn't really showing a lot of interest, and uh, they wrapped up their meeting. The man stood up and left, and and Byron just sat there and was, opened up his Bible and spent some time with the Lord. And then this woman, a Japanese woman, uh, got up from where she was sitting and moved next to Byron and said, "I'm sorry, can you tell me what you were just doing?" Mm-hmm. And Byron has this phrase, you know, I'm, well, I'm, you know, I'm a follower of Jesus. I like to teach other, I like to, I really love to tell other people how to follow him as well. And she said, I want to know about Jesus. Wow. She said, she said, I, I don't want to know about church. Don't tell me about church. I want to know about Jesus. <laughs> and uh, so it was, it was a really interesting statement. But so he, she was just literally ready to jump in the boat. Mm-hmm. He, um, his wife also, um, very just faithful, devout woman, a sharp trainer. Started meeting with that woman named Yasuko and um, just going through a three-thirds process with her. Um, and basically, I, I can't remember the exact span of time. I want to say it was a couple months or something before um, Yasuko actually got baptized. But by the time she got baptized, she had already had six new um studies happening of a different uh capacity some of them were online some of them were um you know in a food court at a mall but she was already passing on everything um to her friends and family and a lot of several of them were present when she got baptized and she um she helped us uh train recently and we just love to have her up in front because she understand the dynamics of reaching Japanese mm-hmm. and um, she's just such a faithful woman. So we had her um, share a testimony and uh, do some training recently in Osaka. And um, when, anytime she's in the room, she just understands where people are at, what they need. She makes things happen. She just overflows with the love of the Lord. And um, but so kind of connected with that. We just recently did a level one training in, in, in Osaka and, and we walked in, we were, we were honestly only expecting five or six people. We ended up having 16. The majority of them were Japanese. Mm-hmm. When we first landed, there was a woman there who she was one of the first people there and pretty quickly found out she'd only been uh, saved about three months. 
Um, and she, and we asked her, why are you here? And, um, the way I understood her answer was she said, well, you know, I came to know Jesus about three months through a YouTube video. Uh, she said, I, I led two of my sisters to faith. Um, she said, but it took me about two hours to do it. And she said, I'm a terrible evangelist and I need help. <laughs> so we were all laughing. And again, just trying to tell you, we want to learn from you. You're, wow. Two hours. That's amazing. And, and she um, did not have access to a local church. And so, and in that particular training, we were covering uh, the full uh, spectrum of the four fields, at least lightly. So we were able to give her tools to form uh, her own fellowship with her sisters and uh, all the tools that began uh, more intentionally reaching out to others. And anyway, so we heard a report from her and she's, uh, I don't think she's led anyone to faith yet. And again, this is two weeks ago, mm. uh, almost three, but she was just glowing with, thank you for teaching me how to share. And she shared multiple stories of, uh, uh reaching out and um to total strangers with the gospel and 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 she's come alive because of which but yasko was there just sitting next to her coaching her turned out and and through that some conversations the, the woman had not been baptized yet so we had the opportunity of baptizing her um as a part of that training so there's with both those stories and and um it's yeah again that the you know one of the things you hear when you're studying movements is that new believers move faster for the most part. And I, that is certainly undeniably what we've seen um, here in Japan. Uh, both those women are just passionate for the Lord and sharing every chance they get. The thing that, that drives me is that I think this, regardless of the obstacles, I think it's destined to happen. As far as I see in scripture, this mm-hmm. nation will respond to Jesus at some point, And it's not a matter of if it's a matter of when it's Malachi one eleven, uh, but uh, the Lord said, my name will be great among the nations from the rising of the sun to its setting. My name will be great. And uh, so I think simply put, I'd say his name will be great in this nation someday. Um, right now it's, it's, uh, you know, less than 1% that uh, is probably generally following the Lord. Um, but I, and very few people know the gospel. Some people don't even know a large percentage of people don't even know that Jesus was a historical person. I believe the name of Jesus will be great in this nation, that there will be uh, multiplying disciples and churches, uh, rap- multiplying rapidly throughout the nation. Matthew 24, 14, that the, um, the gospel will be preached among the nations, that, that there will be a time in which the, the nation will have an opportunity to hear the gospel. And um, uh, so that's what we're after. We want to give every Japanese person a chance to hear the gospel and be discipled in churches. Well, thanks for listening. If you're enjoying the podcast, make sure you subscribe. We've got some great stuff coming up in the pipeline. And wanted to say thank you to everyone who's been able to uh, leave a review on iTunes or whatever format you're on. This has been Steve Addison for the Movements Podcast.